glory in this place, my God. Amen. We know, Lord, you 
that we have in you today. Hallelujah. Yes, God, we give you glory in this place. It's a new year, Father. Guide us in what you want us to do. Amen. Set on a hill. See, on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. My Jesus set me Sure is heaven. I praise God. 
To everyone here, I just want to commend you. I think maybe in life you don't get, you know, commended enough. But hey, you said the first day of 2023, I'm going to be in God's house with God's people worshiping him. So give yourself a hand this morning. Some of you had no choice because somebody drug you here. Some live next door and have no choice anyways, but I'm just kidding. But hey, congratulations for making... Uh, your relationship with Jesus important. Let's take a few minutes and let's greet each other. Some of you hadn't seen each other in a while, so God bless you. Let's take some time and do that today. Yes, you are welcome here today. Good to see you as you find your seat. If you are a guest here today, uh, we would love to have uh, the opportunity to thank you. So these guest cards are in the seat back in front of you. You can take these and uh, fill them out if you would. And when you're heading out today at our guest services uh, center, they're able to uh, take those from you, give you a gift. Um, and uh, we, we, if you do that for us, that would be a tremendous help. 
And we appreciate you being here today. Ushers, we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And uh, what a great way to start out the year is being a giver. A great, a great way to start out this year is uh, with generosity. So let's pray, and we're going to receive our offering today. Lord, thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to give in this very real, very spiritual, very practical way. And Lord, as, as we uh, give today, I pray that it would be out of joyful hearts and that it would, again, accomplish the work of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. worship team. Hey, a few announcements. We have our uh, bulletin when you came in today. And uh, a couple things. This, this, uh, a week from yesterday, this coming Saturday, 
um, is our um, membership class. And so if you've been considering becoming a member and getting involved in some type of ministry here at Praise, I would strongly encourage you, this is your opportunity to do it. Next Saturday at 9 a.m., it'll be in room 101, and uh, there's a registration uh, uh, that is a, we have a, a fillable form online. You can do that. So please pay, maybe you want to do it this afternoon. Go on it right now. Get your phone, go on there and go on there and do that. That'd be wonderful. Uh, Chick-fil-A night, which is a favorite around here, January 11th for Speed the Light. That's coming up and uh, coming this Wednesday. Those will be out there. You can sign up, order your Chick-fil-A sandwich for Wednesday, January 11th. January 14th, 9 a.m., Women of Praise Breakfast Meeting. And uh, that'll be the 14th, and that'll be a good time. Uh, they're studying uh, Breathe. And so that's going to be a, a great morning on the 14th. Then the following Saturday, the 21st, will be the Men's Honor Bound Breakfast. Again, that's always a great time. And uh, that'll be happening those two Sundays in a row. Also, uh, when you came in the building, you noticed that there was a long two-foot, uh, two eight-foot eight foot tables end-to-end with lost and found items. So every year, pastor says, hey, let's out with the old, in with the new. So all these are items that have been left in the cafe, classrooms, wherever. And so look, maybe there are things that belong to you. Um, I mean, if no one's looking, maybe there are things that you like. I don't know, but we just don't want it there anymore, okay? So go, go shopping and just, you know, if you want to leave an offering, that's fine. Um, but those are out there. And also, what else is out there? Our calendars for 2023. Grab one of these. You'll be able to write things down in it that are important. I mean, everybody knows paper calendar. I use my phone more than anybody or as much as anybody. But still, there's some value in this on your refrigerator, in your shop, wherever at work. Grab one of these today. Um, we order them because you get to use them and enjoy them. So God bless you and have a great morning. Yeah, all that lost and found stuff. We want to get rid of it. Uh, it'll be out <clears throat> this week, Wednesday. If you Rangers, Girl Ministry people, if you think someone in one of your groups has something there, have them go through it. Next Sunday will be the last day it'll be on display. After that, it goes either to Goodwill or Salvation Army or the landfill. Um, now, we did find a, a $50 bill and a $100 bill, too, but those have been taken care of. Um, staff had a Christmas luncheon. <clears throat> so, uh, but the other stuff is yours to look through. Hey, I don't know if the greeters handed these out this morning. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. Anybody get one of these? Probably on, still left on the counter. Um, grab one before too long. Like the calendars, they'll get stale, okay? Uh, if you didn't get a calendar yet, I mean, one day's almost gone, okay? Half a day is gone already. You missed out. But the calendar's still good for another 364, right? Uh, but I want you to text more. And this is a clever little acronym uh, T, talk to God in prayer. E, encounter God and humanity in scripture. X, examine your heart. You don't want two T's in a row, uh, two E's in a row. Now you have another T, talk to God and others. Just a neat little thing to keep in your Bible or keep somewhere prominent for the next month at least to remind you to tell people uh, about God. So grab one of those on your way out. They're on the counter at the information, the guest services area. Um, how many remember my telescope from last Sunday, Christmas Day, right? Guess who got a brand new telescope later in the day? Anybody, any ideas? They got a brand new telescope. Pastor Brandon. <laughs> Pastor Brandon. He was so surprised. I know before Christmas, he, you know, he preps my notes with scriptures and they go up for you to see. <clears throat> and um, we we're just kind of talking and, you know, 
I said, what do you think you're going to get? He said, but, and this is, I think this is even before he saw my nose. I said, boy, I'd really like to get a telescope. I'd really like a telescope. And, uh, and kind of just hoping his family wouldn't get him another guitar. <laughs> so he really was surprised. I heard he really was surprised that it was a telescope. So some kids still get their wishes. They get their wishes. Anyways, I want to begin, before I get into the message today, I want to share with you a, a New Year's video that we put up on Facebook the other day. Let's go ahead and show the video for today. For over 150 years, men have bruised and battled on fields like this, fighting for inches, foot by foot, yard after yard, they go to war, and all for the glory of the game. Funny thing about glory, though. Doesn't last too long down here, does it? <laughs> this life is barely a second in the scope of eternity. And eternity, well, that's an overtime game that's much harder to comprehend. But what if, what if we thought of it this way? What if we measured time by the length of this football field? Bible tells us that to God, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. Look, I don't have a math mind, but I do know football. So if we were to measure time by the length of this field, then this hundred yards, that would be a thousand years. The 50-yard line, that's 500 years. And right here, this is where we live our lives. First and 10, plus and minus a decade, day after day, living in the red zone. But in this eight, nine, 10 yards that we fought over every inch for, how do we know whether we're winning or we're losing? Well, thing is, God has quite a different way of measuring a yard, or a year, or even a thousand years. Because let's face it, what's it to him? God's thousand years, they're long suffering. His new day, it's full of new mercy. That midnight hour is there for a second chance. You see, time never holds him back or forces him forward. The moments of someone's life stolen away too early by death and multiplied without end on the banquet table of eternity. Yes, our agonizing weight is but a drop in the bucket of his goodness and grace. All those seconds that go by, those inches played out on the giant field of eternity is God's perfect plan carried out in a precision that we can't even fathom. Thankfully, we don't have to understand it. All we have to do is trust him. So, how will your years, your season in this world, be measured? Yards fought and won are by trusting in the one who can get you down the field of eternity. And he doesn't even break a sweat. First and goal in the red zone. We've only got a number of days in this world, and we need to make an impact. Amen? 
So when I thought about a topic or a theme for today's message, I, I thought it'd, I, it'd be good to at least start out with the idea of how we all like new things, don't we? I mean, we really do. We like new things. I mean, possibly just last Sunday. I mean, you, hopefully you're thrilled over some of the things that people gave you as exchange gifts and you got some new things, maybe some new clothes, some new toys for the kids, new gadgets and gizmos you didn't even know you needed. And I think it's safe to say that for the most part, we all really do like new things more than we like old things. Except maybe for antiques and collectibles. Anybody into antiques? I mean, just think about it. My, my telescope is 54 years old, at least to me. But I mean, we like new things, unless it's, again, an antique or a collectible or maybe old friends, some of which might be antiques. Or how about old vacation spots? There are some people who every year they want to go somewhere different, somewhere new. Some of you want to return, like the Swallows to San Juan Capistrano. I mean, you, that's your place. You may not even own that lodge, but you want, you want that place and you want that room and you remember that pool and you remember that, you know. Or how about some old clothes that just have a superior feel of comfort? I mean, you know, we can be like that. The old things are at least comfortable. The old things are wonderfully familiar. And yet still, we do like novelty because we can get bored with the old. We really do like new things. You know, this, uh, <clears throat> this past year, 2022, in my house, we upgraded our dishwasher. Um, she just wasn't doing a good job. No, that's it. I wasn't sure I was going to actually throw that out there, but <clears throat> no, I'll tell you the, the, the new one, I got to tell you, the new one is incredible. I didn't know how far these things had progressed, but our old one finally died after 24 years. I mean, it just simply, there was no way it was worth repairing. It was too far gone, but this new one, it, it, it shocked us, got it all installed, got it running first loaded dishes. Uh, we're sitting there just wondering, is this thing really working? I mean, how I wished it came with a clear plexiglass front so I could see. This thing made no noise. Nothing. The little light indicator made more noise than the dishwasher itself. I mean, we used to have to, when, in, the old, in the old days, prior to the replacement of that old one, we had to leave the kitchen when we started the dishwasher. Or we'd have to wait till company left. Because you couldn't talk. Some of you may have upgraded your smartphone this past year or maybe a digital device. They, they run so great when they're brand new, don't they? I mean, that memory is so... I, you can get all these things that clean out your cache and clean out your memory. and they, uh, You know, nothing like brand new. Some of you may have had an old car that finally couldn't go any further. So it got replaced with something new or maybe something newer. But of course, I already mentioned, you know, the old can have some value. While the new is always more exciting, the old can have some value. And so today, we should be looking ahead at this brand new year as a year that truly is, I mean, brand new with 365 days of fresh opportunity. I mean, we're talking about perspective. We're talking about time. That's why I wanted to show you that video clip first. It's perspective. The way that God sees things, the way that we see things. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says this in writing to the Philippian church. He says, not that I have already obtained all this 
or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What great advice for us as we begin a brand new year. Paul tells us that we need to forget what is behind and we need to strain towards what lies ahead. Pressing on toward the goal to win the prize. There is a prize. You see, the future is a gift to us, folks. God is the author. He's the giver of each and every second of our future. Amen? And you know, usually this time of year, I'll preach a series on stewardship. Stewardship of the tithe, stewardship of the talent, stewardship of time. And so let me remind you that God is the one who gives us time. It's not something we manufacture. Although we can track it, we don't manufacture, we don't produce it. God gives you time. He gives you every heartbeat. And then we are called on to be good stewards of the time that he gives to us. And so again, as we start this new year, we first need to forget what is behind. After all, there's nothing that we can do about it. We cannot reverse the past. We can't change the past. It's history. It's good or bad. It's all been done. And so we need to let it go. Amen. We need to let it go. And then we need to begin to move forward. Listen to the admonition from the Apostle Paul, this time to the Ephesian Christians. He, he says in Ephesians 5.15, he writes to them and he says, Pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Redeeming the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, we have this whole new year lying out ahead of us. And we need to begin to plan our time. How we're going to use our time. That's, that's what calendars are for. That's why we have distinct days of the week. So you have an idea of what you should be doing. Some of you work Monday through Friday. Some Monday through Saturday. Some of you may work seven days a week and you sneak in for church. You know, that, that's what that's all about. Keeping track of our time, knowing where we're supposed to be at any given moment. We need to decide right now that we are going to be good stewards of the time that God has given to us. And we do this best, as Ephesians 5.17 tells us, when we understand what the Lord's will is. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And you know, I've read that, and I've preached it before. And some of you might read a verse like that and think, well, okay, in his heart a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Why should I, if he's, got, if he's ultimately going to guide each step, then why should I bother even planning? God doesn't want us to be fatalistic. He does have a plan for us, but he also gave us this unbelievable thing called free will. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. I don't know why I went King James in this one, but... Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
And what I like about this, about both of these passages, is that they, they display to us the truth that God allows us a partnership. That there's a partnership that we are to have between him, he, and us. Whereby he allows us to plan for the future. He wants us to make plans. I want you to understand that. He wants you to dream. He wants you to plan. He wants you to consider what what his will is and his destiny is for you. And he will direct us in this. He'll guide us in this. But he does want us to be intentional. He wants us to be involved. He wants us to be deliberate. He does not want us to be passive about the future. It's incredible how much of the Bible speaks about the future. The Bible speaks a lot about new things when you really study this. I mean, for instance, just think about this. The New Testament supersedes the Old Testament. And we, it is, and it's the covenant, the testament that we're living under right now. This is God's latest covenant to mankind. The New Testament is, in fact, a new testament. It's a new covenant. When we get saved and we're born again, another way to phrase that is that we're born anew. You can translate it either way in the Gospel of John. And as 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And listen to the ultimate promise found in Revelation chapter 21. It begins in verse 1, speaking about a new heaven and a new earth. And then in verse 5, it says, And the one seated on the throne said this, Behold, I make all things new. Someday, folks, everything. So don't get too comfortable. Everything. Someday, everything will be made new. So I read that and I have, to, I have to conclude that new seems to be good. New is a good thing. And new is something that God's involved in. I mean, we should be excited about all the new things that God will do in our new year ahead. Our collectively, but our, your individual life. What is God going to do in your life in this year ahead? You have no clue. You have no idea. But I believe that God wants you to plan. I believe he wants to start, start filling in that day timer. Use your, your iCalendar. Use whatever device you want. Keep track. Some of it may never come to pass. But when you look back, if you happen to reflect at the end of 2023, you're hopefully, hopefully, and I desire this for you as much as he does, but he desires it more than I do, <laughs> that you'll see his hand in your life. That's what's really important. Now, for this morning, what I really want to consider this morning, I want us to enter into this new year with the idea of pressing on. Pressing on. We read about this in Philippians chapter 3 when we began this morning. And here it is again, Philippians 3.13. Forgetting what is behind. Straining towards what is ahead. Paul said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, the word that's translated here as press on is a Greek word. Very simple. One word, dioko. And it carries with it the idea of a hunter pursuing his prey. Aggressively chasing. 
pursuing in haste, desiring to overtake. That is the raw translation of that word. Chasing down, going after with everything that's within you. In other words, it's expressing a desire to obtain, to capture, maybe even to conquer. And the thought is that the future becomes ours through determination. We have to be determined to proceed forward, to move forward. We have to make up our minds and be determined to conquer ground, to achieve, to strain, to strive, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is behind, to get that prize. We have to make up our mind that we are going to go and we're going to conquer ground because the truth is, it is not just going to come to you. One of my favorite quotations is from Thomas Jefferson. It was his response, apparently, to a common proverb of his day. And the proverb was this, good things come to those who wait. You've heard that, right? Good things come to those who wait. But I want you to see how he rearranged it. He said, good things may come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hurry. Isn't that true? You're getting leftovers. You're getting leftovers. If you're not intentional in how you live, if you're not determined to press on and to move forward, then you're just, you're just gonna, you're gonna be picking up the crumbs that are left behind. The early bird gets to worm. That's another axiom. How many have heard that? Come on, it's gotta be all of us. 1605. Somebody came out with that one in 1605. Trust me, I I spent about an hour looking that up, okay? Then we have others today. You snooze, you lose. First come, first serve. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Proverbs chapter 6 speaks of the ant versus the sluggard. The ant prepares for days ahead. The sluggard winds up being hungry and in need. And there are some people, and I think this is from an old Doris Day movie, Stop for a minute, okay? How many remember Doris Day? I was but a boy, but I watched with my mom. Doris Day. But there was a phrase, que sera, sera, a little song went along with it. I think she's the one that sang it. I wasn't going to spend any more time on the internet. You, you, you proof check for me, okay? Que sera, sera, what will be, will be. I'm telling you, it's the wrong attitude. I want to suggest, I want to suggest to you. No, I want to tell you. Passiveness is not a biblical virtue. Passiveness. Being laid back is not a biblical virtue. And I say that because not only does Scripture tell us about new things, but I want you to know that Scripture says much about preparedness. It says a lot about preparation, about readiness. And, and the way that this is most often phrased in the Bible is by using two words. And the two words are keep watch. The Gospels in particular, but even the Apostle Paul, keep watch means to be prepared. Keep watch means to be ready. And Jesus used it quite frequently in, in the Gospels, especially concerning end time events. In Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25, he repeats the warning over and over. And in chapter 25 specifically, he even tells a parable about 10 virgins. And we're going to read this. This is Matthew 25, beginning of verse 1. It says, At that time, 
the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, he's sharing this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. They all became drowsy, fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. And the moral of the story, the moral of the parable is verse 13. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Keep watch. In other words, be prepared. That's what that, that's what that word means. Be prepared. Be ready. So a very simple lesson here. Those who were ready were allowed to come in. Those who are not ready were denied. You see, there's, there's not, much really, not, not much really happens by happenstance. Because our God has a plan. There, there's an old theology which was largely practiced, I think during the 1600s, 1700s, where the deists, there was this theology of the deists, they claim some of our founding fathers of our nation were deists. They, they believed that there was a God. They didn't believe in a personal Jesus Christ and, and, and salvation through Christ. But the deists believed that God worked for six days, just as the Bible tells us, created the world as we know it, and then he rested on the seventh day. And today, yes, there's a God. This is what they believe, that he just sits back and lets us do what we want to do. That's the theology of the deists. And that's a false doctrine. Now, some Christians live like that. They don't mean to be deists, but some Christians live like that. They, yeah, there's a God. I believe in God. I believe there's heaven. I believe I'm going to heaven someday, but, you know, I don't think he's terribly involved in my life or wants to be. But you see, God is always bringing about his will and his purpose. Sometimes he'll do this sovereignly, and sometimes he'll do it through people like us. And his entire plan has actually been written out. We find it in what we commonly call the Bible. That's where God's plan is. All the way back in the Old Testament, we see God constantly involved with his people, constantly involved through his people. The God of the Bible is alive today. He's at work today. He's a personal God. He's interested in our lives. He's interested in our individual futures. All of our days are numbered. Psalm 139. All of our days are numbered. He's ordained these days. He knows the beginning from the end. And our primary task as his children, as his people, is to know his will. We are not to aimlessly press on. You know, Paul even used this, and I'm, I'm not going to go off track too much in this, but Paul said, you know, he, that he didn't box the air purposelessly. He actually said that. He said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one like a fighter who's just boxing the air. You know, you, you can be busy. You can have a lot of activity in your life and be accomplishing nothing. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about being, you know, moving forward, pressing on. 
Busyness in itself is not something that God desires from us. What he desires is a people who know his will and will be obedient to his will. And that's where pressing on begins. Dioko, pressing on. Ephesians chapter 5 mentioned it specifically in verse 17. Listen again. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And, and I'll, I'll, rem- I remember, I'll forever remember a sermon that Oral Roberts preached uh, in chapel once when I was a student. Uh, very simple, very simple idea, but boy, it set me on the right trajectory. And the gist of his message was this. He said, he said most Christians will make plans... And then they'll ask God to bless those plans. Like, Lord, I, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to, I really want to, Lord, would you bless me as I do this for you? And his word of correction to us was this, that what we need to do is find out what God wants done and then do that. Because he will obviously bless his own will. Amen. Yeah, so don't just, don't just plan what you want to do and ask for his stamp of approval. But rather find out what he wants done and then begin to do it in his timing. And he'll provide every resource. It's true. It happens all the time. You see it in scripture. I've seen it in my own Christian life. I've seen it in others. We need to know his will first and then prepare to execute it. We need to know his will. We need to keep watch. We need to seek him and be prepared. And it's, and it's amazing the things that get accomplished when we're partnering with him according to his will. Oftentimes the results look as though they're just, they're just so easy. Really. I mean, even when, as a new Christian, when I watched my pastor minister and I watched the results in the church, I mean, he didn't do, he didn't do half of the things that pastors have to do today. To, to win people or cajole people. I mean, it was incredible because all he had to do was ride that wave of God's will. It was unbelievable. But oftentimes I'd watch him and the results of his ministry seemed so easy. And you know, sometimes you and I, we look at people around us and, and, and sometimes it seems like people around us, some people just seem to have a lot of good fortune more than their fair share. I mean, everything seems, why does it always line up perfectly for them? I mean, why, why do they always get blessed like that? It almost seems unfair. I mean, some people seem to have good things just constantly fall into their lap. And we look at it and sometimes, you know, to use the vernacular, we, we call it luck. L-U-C-K, luck. Let me share with you a perfect definition of luck. And this is centuries Old, from the Roman philosopher Seneca. That's how old this is. He's credited as one saying this, that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Luck isn't luck. There's no such thing as luck. So if you want to look lucky in this new year, or better yet, be lucky, then keep an eye out for opportunity. Be prepared. Be prepared. Keep watch. Be ready. Keep close to your God. Desire to know his will. Desire to know his plans and make yourself available to him. Now, again, I want you, you can make plans. You can make plans. God may actually give you desires in your heart that are part of his will. That's why I think he wants us to make plans. They're not our ideas. Those desires that you have, they're not all yours. 
A lot of them can be his. And he's going to bring them to fruition. But he wants to prove himself strong in your life. I want to close with one passage from the New Testament. And then we'll pray. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Begin reading verse 9 through verse 16. Paul says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even begin to dream adequately. You have no clue what God wants to do in your life and through your life for you and for others around you. You have no idea. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And then Paul ends with this. But we have the mind of Christ. As we begin this new year this morning, let's let's make it this simple. Let's be determined to have the mind of Christ. In other words, knowing God's will and being willing to be obedient. And when you think about it, isn't that really what Jesus ultimately prayed before he gave his life? He said, Father, if it be possible, take this cup, the cup of death. But then he said, nevertheless, thy will be done, not mine. That's that's really what that's about. The mind of Christ is knowing God's will and then wanting, desiring, choosing, planning to be obedient to it. He knew what the Father's will was. Yeah, he, just like us, his humanity prayed, please, Father, let me escape this. But nevertheless, I'm going to be obedient to you. I know what your will is, Father, and I'm going to follow through. That's how I want us to start this year. And what I want us to do, I want us to do something physical about it. We haven't done it in a long time, and that is to have a time at the altar. And that's just spend some time in prayer here this morning. Spend some time praying here at this altar as we begin this new year. And, and I don't know where you're at in this. It may be as simple as just, you know, maybe come to this altar area, this, the stairs, and just, and just saying, God, I don't know what your will is. God, reveal your will to me. Tell me what you want me to do with my life. Tell me, you know, give me direct, whatever it is. Or maybe you already do know his will. And maybe you need to pray, God, give me the courage to follow through. And you know what? At the very least, you can say, Lord, please, I know what your will is and I'm going to do it. Would you please just bless me as we move forward?
So let's do that together. Let's stand together. Heather, would you come to the keyboards? And, and let's just, just, a, just a time of prayer before we leave. A great way to begin this brand new year. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We thank you that you're good all the time. All the time. Who is man that you'd even think about us? That's what the psalmist wrote. And, and yet you do. You think about us. And you have a plan for our lives. You have a will for us. You have a written will that's called the Bible. And then you, you, have, you have a specific will where you'll guide us and lead us into all truth by your spirit. Lord, help us to be sensitive to your leading in this new year. And Father, right now, Lord, I pray your blessing upon everyone here today. God, I just pray your blessing in each one of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Happy New Year.